Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. I remember right after my daughter started kindergarten, having a moment in the kitchen when I was trying to get breakfast for her and my son, as well as putting together their lunches and trying to get myself ready to take them to school, and on and on and on and on. And I was flying around the kitchen, and I swear my feet weren't touching the floor. When I looked over at the kitchen table, my husband, who was calmly reading the paper and eating his cereal, (laughs) I was floored that he was so oblivious to to my distress and Mm -hmm. luckily for him and me I did not blow my top I handled it in a much (laughs) calmer more productive fashion but for too many people the hurt and disappointment in your spouse bubbles over and to talk about why that happens and to present a better way to handle things I'm joined by Nancy Collier she's a psychotherapist interfaith minister and the author of the book the power of off, the mindful way to stay sane in a virtual world. And I love the title of that book. And uh, Nancy, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about what probably is a a pretty common dynamic. (laughs) Yes, yes, far too common, I think. You know, as a couples therapist, I see a lot of what are these tiny moments but really what's happening for one or sometimes both of the members of the couple are just these explosions, these gigantic uh, narratives going on in, in their mind about what just happened. And then, you know, in response to that, it can be this tiny thing about the coffee or it can be just a comment that was said, you know, in jest or what have you. But then the person goes forward and lives that day caught up in the tsunami of emotional content and the narrative that they make out of it. And it's a real problem. It's a problem we don't really talk about that much, but is, is the reality that most people live inside a couple. <laughs> well, and that's true. And, and I wanted you to come on the show because you wrote a, an article for psychologytoday.com, the, the website, Why Trying to Be Understood is So Exhausting. And you presented a scenario that kind of reminded me of the one that I described many, mm-hmm. many years ago you know, when, in my own kitchen. So can you just kind of give a brief rundown of that scenario so that people will know what we're, what we're about to start talking about? Right, right. So um, the wife, in this case, came down the stairs, and the coffee pot was empty. And she had a vague memory of her husband having said a couple of days before that he was having acid reflux or something and that he was going to stop having coffee. He was always the one in 20 years of marriage that had made the coffee. So mm-hmm. his, his decision to not make the coffee um, was based on he wasn't drinking coffee anymore. So she was about to prepare the lunches for the children. She was about to do about a thousand other things that she does for the family and mm-hmm. was sitting there really looking forward to her. So in that moment, she went into just 
a, an incredibly difficult place inside herself. And she made some small comment about it, but she was raging. She was raging at him. So he heard... Inside, she said not, not, well. not, 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 not directly to him. She was, no, she was no, raging no, inside. Yeah. yeah. She went about her business and she said something like, like, oh, so you're not making coffee, so I guess no one will be drinking coffee. You know, trying to keep what was, uh, you know, again, a tsunami of rage from exploding. Mm -hmm. So he heard her. He got up. He didn't say a word, but he made the coffee. And then she was still carrying this big grenade, and she was something about this coffee meant way more than the coffee, which we unpacked later, but... Behavior then switched to, well, anything I say now, I'm going to look like the crazy person. So I have to contain wanting to kill him and really more than wanting to kill him, feeling heartbroken. That was what she felt. She felt heartbroken. So she said something else, a little bit light or what have you, and he basically stopped talking for the rest of the meal, and she stopped talking, and it was just fraught. With, with misunderstanding, with coded messages, with all sorts of mess. And when she came into my office the next day, you know, she, then, then what happened at the end, just to finish it, was she started trying to get him to see what his not making coffee meant. She, she skipped mm-hmm. the whole step of how she felt. She, she went from, I can't be the crazy one. I can't do that. I have, to, I have to now manage this, trying to get him to feel bad about it and get it. So <laughs> right. uh, that, is, what I that call, is demonstrative. <laughs> yes. Right. It's what I call the mind-reading school of marriage. You know, that somehow, okay. or, or, or maybe that's, you know, somehow that, that if I that somehow they're going to intuit not, not only that I'm upset, but why I'm upset. Yes. And it's yes. like, oh, exactly. my God. Like, ah. Exactly, yes. But it, to me, that, the reason I wrote that one up was because it, it carried a few very uh, common themes. For one thing, you know, this idea of the little thing but what does it really stand for? Mm-hmm. So in this case, what we discovered was that for this woman, she felt that at an emotional level, she was not feeling taken care of. So that fact that he made coffee was a little crumb that she got. She got the practical things. He put the bookshelves up. He picked the kid up at school. He did all that. And then when he removed this, she was put in touch with this incredible sense of isolation and and deprivation. So when she saw that, that, that's what it triggered. So this event made me think about that, but it also made me think about how often we're all in these situations where our behavior is not authentic to how we really feel, but is trying to manage the other's perception of us. She got caught in that, I can't say anything because then I'll be oversensitive, I'll be crazy, I'll be this and that. And then the final piece that this, to me, scenario contained as well was this skipping how we experience this, our own compassion for ourselves, the fact that this is upsetting us and going straight to, if I get you to see it and to understand it, then I'll feel better. But we've never really felt it. 
it, it contained all of that. Well, and it's, you know, and there's so much in this scenario, which is why I really wanted to talk about this, because, I mean, one of the things is, and I think that this goes, and it's kind of my interpretation of this type of scenario where somebody, it's about the coffee, except, of course, it's not about, or the unmade coffee, and it's not really about the unmade coffee. It's what the unmade coffee stands for. So if we're having a discussion about being upset about the unmade coffee, I mean, on some, on some level, I mean, and I've, I've seen this before, and, and I also count, um, counsel my clients. I said, don't use how you would respond to a situation to judge the other person, because, of course, we do that all the time. It's not, it's not important to you, but you can't dismiss that it's important to the other person. But we're actually, as you said, it wasn't about the coffee. It was about how she felt taken care of and that this was one way she felt taken care of. But my guess is, and I don't know if you talked about this with her, but my guess is she never told him that. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's that's how right. much she appreciates you know, the, co- you know, the, the coffee being made. Well, you know, because... Right. I think that in part it was never shared because of the deeper sense of deprivation underneath it, which, as many couples also experience, at the, at the deepest level, there's a fear that if we share what we really feel, that it won't, it won't be met with an empathic response. It will be met with either judgment or blame. So she would be the mm-hmm. one who is not appreciative enough for what she gets, or she would be the one who doesn't see how emotionally caretaking he is. So there's always a, a place at which a person bails out because they feel, well, that that couldn't be held by my partner, right? But you make a point well, about – go ahead, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. And I was going to say, but you're making a point, too, about how quickly, you know, What's also in this article is how as soon as she saw the empty coffee pot, she went straight into her narrative, not only about what he should have done, as you're pointing to, but to, oh, he's selfish. Oh, because mm-hmm. now he has it. He, nobody else matters. And full down the rabbit hole on that one. Mm-hmm. So she's not even in relationship in that moment with what's happening. She's in relationship with this narrative she has on him, which this allowed her to uh, validate. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's, and again, and I know you know this as a, as a therapist. I mean, you know, good communication is is never enough. That in and of itself is not going to keep a relationship together. But without it, nobody stands a chance because you know we're having we're running these scenarios in our heads. We're making these assumptions. She was making this assumption um, about her partner, and I don't know if you're familiar with Terry Real's you know poor negative image concept. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. about you know, mm-hmm. how we see our partner when, when they are at their worst. <laughs> right, <laughs> Which, right, you know, yeah. But, you know, so, so it's this leap to, to he's selfish as opposed to, I mean, obviously in this particular scenario, he was being somewhat thoughtful. He was, thought, but, of course, um, of course. But, but whether or not that's intentional, right. you know, and, and then this is, this is the whole thing, and we, and we then, are, like you said, we, we end up down the rabbit hole, and we never bother to stop and check, is the assumption I'm making 
accurate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which, of course, but then, of course, that does open the door to, to be, being considered you know, to, to vulnerability to, you know, and then, of course, you know, right. learning how to ask these questions in a way that is going to be um, best received because we can't make them perfect, but, you know, we can try. It's like, okay, I'm doing the best I can to make this not an attack, which I think right. she, in the description of this scenario, she sort of did. She didn't attack him for not making the coffee. She sort of made this offhand remark, kind of hoping, right. again, that right. it would be like, oh, ding, 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 I didn't make the coffee. How yeah. inconsiderate of me, let me go make her, the, which he then did actually go make her the coffee. But yep. she was already down that line. Yep. And, I, and again, I think that's part of the challenge, isn't it? That is a big part of the challenge. And I think what we discussed, she and I, was that, Part of what she was looking for was this sense, again, of empathy, of, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry, I didn't think of you. But in his getting up to make the coffee, it felt more like a punished little boy who was Mm. told he did something wrong. And so she went back and said one other thing about, I can't recall what exactly it was, but it was a little bit of a snip. Right. Oh, mm. well, you know, maybe we'll all get acid reflux and then we, we won't have to need coffee, the rest of us. Mm. Um, because <laughs> it was still missing. And so one of the things we worked on was when something is so laden with pain, I mean, because it's really, we're talking about hurt here, a sense of not uh-huh. feeling taken care of and not that she doesn't matter, right? Um how to communicate that in a way also that doesn't assume that her reality is his reality. So not at 8 in the morning to start with, you know, I'm heartbroken with Mm -hmm. this choice you made, but it could include something along the lines of, I really appreciate the fact that you make coffee for me. That's something I really look forward to. So we put it in a positive in the sense of, you know, that's something I like about this relationship, Um, might have been a way of doing both, including some of her experience and Mm -hmm. also getting the task done. Um, But these moments, you know, where we um, where we have so much hanging on just a little tiny thing, it, it behooves us to be a bit more aware of what's coming up for us so that we don't get caught, as, as I'm sure you know, that we're, as couples, we're always um, arguing about the content of the couple, yeah. uh, of the situation. And we need mm-hmm. to get out of content. We need to know for ourselves what gets triggered by that empty pot. And I have to find a way to express the deeper experience of this and express it not in a way that's just trying to confirm or deny a faulty perception of me, not to, you know, fend off his crazy version of me or or oversensitive, but really from a truthful place. And that becomes the next layer of it. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, but I need to tell, remind listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dory, and my guest today, psychotherapist, minister, and author Nancy Collier, 
is walking us through what often happens when one partner is hurt by a seemingly small action from the other. And the truth is these hurts are almost always about something bigger. And if this is a familiar scenario in your marriage, there is a better way to handle it. And I can help you with that. So if you're interested, give me a call or send me an email, and we'll set up a Create Your Happily Ever After Transformation session. You can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. Or you can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, 919-924-0463. So I want to go back to, to um, Kim and the coffee <laughs> and the emotional leap she was making and this idea that, um, the, you know, the, the content, the, the, the actual what we're talking about isn't necessarily what's going on. Um, right. That, you know, people, it's like, yes we, can, yes, we can be disappointed when we get up in the morning and, and the coffee's not made. But if, it, but if that coffee being made has a deeper meaning, we need to not talk about the coffee and go to that deeper meaning. And I think that's what you're saying, Nancy, isn't it? That, yes. this, is, yes. that this is what really needs to happen. And, and a couple things there, too. One is, in order for a, a relationship to work, we have to be very disciplined about timing. So, oh, yes. Because we are having that volcanic moment does not mean that the other person is available for a conversation about our being taken care of on an emotional level as they're heading off to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good coupling is discipline and um, really a mindful attitude of when is, when is the right time for this. So that's one thing. The second thing is that when we're exploding on the inside and in a lot of pain like that, we want to be careful, and you touched on this before, but it's a big part of it, which is the story we're telling ourselves that that is what this empty coffee pot means in, mm-hmm. in, in fundamental truth. It's the what is because we're having that experience for us. It represents the little bit of caretaking we get um, mm-hmm. because it means that to us has nothing to do with what it means for the other person. Nothing. It well, means, this, it is, means, yeah. this is, I think, the one of, and I tell people, that to me the biggest challenge to a successful marriage or long-term relationship of any kind is you are now, always have been, always will be two different people. Now what are you going to do with that? Because That's right. That's right. Good luck on that. Because (laughs) my experience isn't my partner's experience. My partner's experience isn't mine. And so how do we negotiate that? And, and again, so we're, the, the leaps that we make are based on our experience, and that may not be what my partner intends, but that's what I take away from it. And that, to me, is, is the challenge of being a human being, whether we're <laughs> in intimate relationship or we're not in intimate relationship, is this and not but. 
you know, I, I wrote an article for Psych Today a, a long time ago, but it was called And Not Butter, something like that. And it's mm-hmm. a, a, a reframing of the whole way we experience life, which is the other person's radically different perspective is met with an and, and that too. That's mm-hmm. true for them. We, we tend to put buts in between the two differing experiences, and we have to get the other person to be in alignment with ours because ours is the truth. And, (laughs) you know, good luck on that one out in the world, right? I mean, so when you really see that, A, your partner doesn't know that that's your experience of his not making it and also doesn't probably experience himself as not providing for you emotionally, probably doesn't feel that's true, and all these other things that are assumed in that narrative – We have to start from a place of they don't know and for sure they don't have that same experience. So that's a great beginning. And that's what what I've learned to do with my husband is especially because um, I truly believe down to to my toes that my husband would never intentionally hurt me. So if I'm hurt and it's coming from him, it's like, oh, there's something he doesn't know. Right. But I, but that, but that's based on a belief that I that I have that my husband is a good guy and loves me, <laughs> and and this kind of goes to to Terry Real's core negative image of um, if I if I looked at my husband when he was when in my opinion he was being his most obtuse or potentially insensitive, and if I put that as the truth, then I would look at him completely differently as opposed to. Overall, I think he's a pretty good guy, and, and this over here is being, there's something screwing up over here, so I, I need to share with him that that's not working for me. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think, you know, that assumption, though, that you are so lucky to have and to be mm-hmm. able to come home to, I think a lot of couples don't have that. Right? And, and do you have any idea of why that is because most couples I think on their wedding day or whether you know it's like it's like they they do have positive views of each other so how does it get so off track boy um that is a complicated and wonderful question um (laughs) you know in part I think what happens is is this this poison of resentment Mm-hmm. The resentment starts to, it's like a toxin, and it, and it starts to, over little things that have not been spoken about, have gone under the rug, and sooner or later, there's just too much under the rug, and it poisons that basic, uh, we're on the same side, right? It, and that's mm-hmm. why I always, I always, you know, when we lose that sense that fundamentally our partner is on our side, we're really cooked. Um, But it happens in these tiny little increments where little moments of hurt have not been addressed. And then the narratives start to form. And Mm -hmm. then the narratives get thicker and harder to see as narratives. And that's where we start losing that, that real thread of you wouldn't want to hurt me. Right. And 
so you know, and, the, and it happens all the time. And I remember, I remember having a client. You know, it, it, it was a couple, and I said to her one day, I said, "What is it that you really want?" And she says, I want my husband to never hurt or disappoint me. And I went, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble right now. Because mm. it's like, mm. because right. it's right. to happen. It's like, oh, my God, this is not realistic. But I do think we do tend to, in this, in this whole soulmate and you complete me crap that's out there. Nonsense, uh, right? You know, that, that, if, you know, that if somehow if my partner hurts or disappoints me, then they're not the right person. And it's like, well, lots of luck finding anybody in your life who's not going to disappoint right. you in some way. Right. Um, right. And, and, so, and, and so in discussing this, this coffee and her having to sit on this and deciding she can't say something, to me that's part of the pattern. But you, in, in the article you suggest that the solution is to sit with the hurt and discomfort and try to understand it. Um, well, what I, what I wanted to address, though, in the, in the article was something a little bit different that was more about our relationship with ourselves. So okay. in the article, I was paying attention to mostly this last step, how quickly we jump into getting the partner to see our experience, yes. right? And that, that then I'll feel better when you get what it is that you've done to me. And mm-hmm. I was suggesting really that we need to spend some time validating, even if it's just putting our own hand on our heart, you know, turned away from our partner towards the coffee maker and just acknowledging, I don't need to know exactly why right at this moment. I don't need, but this is really painful and I need to sort of go slow with what this means before we get his validation that we have the right to feel that way. We, we, we don't self-care in those moments. We just go straight for the validation. We go straight for the understanding of the other one before we even have given ourselves a moment to say it hurts. This matters. I think that's a really important step even because often we're not going to get to speak to your earlier point. We're not going to get what we want from our partner. To me, I mean, I've been married almost 20 years and I would say, you know, a couple of the things that have helped me stay married really don't sound very romantic, but (laughs) it's this idea of broken promises and, and broken hearts that, you know, we're human beings and we fail each other. We fail each other. And when I got to the place of really, really, really getting it, that no other human being in the world is going to fill my emptiness, is going to make my life complete, is going to be anything other than a, maybe a good traveling partner. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of the final failure, and that allows you really to look at this person freshly and love them as a fail, another failure, another catastrophe to some degree. I hate to put it that right. way, but then real love can start to bloom because it's not about what you're going to do for me to solve all this. So that step where we say, wait a minute, what's happening for me here before 
I get him to say it matters and you have a right to feel this and I get it and you've explained it in 5,000 different ways and yes, yes, you're right. You know, I don't need all that. I need a moment with myself. Well, and I, I like that because, you know, I, 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 my mind just went racing to kind of something, you know, a long time ago, I, I heard that if you don't love yourself, it's hard for anybody else to really love you. Um, you know, if you, you know, feel it, you know, it, it kind of goes to the whole flight attendant, you know, put, if you're yeah. traveling with somebody, put your mask on first. You, you know, if your tank is empty, you can't give away. And, and this idea that the first, the first person who has to validate our feelings is ourselves. That, it, you know, that it's, I feel this way. Um, it's okay that I feel this way. The next question may be, what is this feeling about? Where is it coming from? But that follows the first thing, that I feel the way I feel. Yeah, and, we have to validate that. You know, and I think that, that when we validate it, then it's sort of, I don't know what, what's the word I'm looking for. Minimize isn't the right word, um, but it's but it's then it's eases. not as important as that the it other eases person. It eases it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's I right. Like that. And and I love the, you know, in in psychology we use sometimes the rain method. You know, so we recognize the feeling, we acknowledge the feeling, we just say, hey, wait a minute, this matters. We mm-hmm. investigate the feeling. What's it really about? What yeah. is this copy? And then we nurture it. What would it need to be okay? What What would really offer it comfort, right? Is it to know for another to know of its loneliness? Is it, mm-hmm. or is it some other form of being taken care of? Is it, we don't know, right? So that's the that's the question at the end is what does this really need? And if I got my husband to say, wow, I get it, that that was so thoughtless, you know, what would that then be soothing? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to practice that with our own experience, but we can't skip the recognition. This is here and I see you. I love you. It matters and all of that. And then what's it really about? Well, and, and, it, and if we don't know what it is, that will that will take care of it. That will um, I don't I want to say alleviate or deal with it. Then how can somebody else even give that okay. to us if we don't even know what it is that would work? They can't yeah. do it, and then that just kind of leaves people feeling impotent, and I think creates some of this frustration, especially between men and women. Um, That's right. That well, I I don't know how you know I, I don't know how to resolve this. So I'm just going to quit trying, which, again, yeah. which is always a death knell for <laughs> it is. That's the end, right. And I think, too, you know, when we really do get caught up as a species in the explanation of how we feel, you know, getting it into these really tight boxes, and that means that, and the interpretation, and and many many times I hear in my office, you know, these just elaborate 
um, descriptions and interpretations and explanations for what happened and you see and then often it'll bring in a parent of the partner and mm-hmm. you know, we get really, really busy in our mind trying to understand what happened that we're going to present like a legal case, you know, as if the death penalty were at stake here, but we're <laughs> going to present it. And, and we, we're just not inclined to just sit with it ourselves and see if we can do some of our own caretaking, validating for it. We really go right up into our mind and get busy there. And to some degree, you know, sometimes it's helpful for a reframe or to get it. But more often than not, that does not make us feel better. Even when we explain it to our partner in just the perfect way, there's still mm-hmm. a step missing. Yeah, and, and and again, it's I I do believe it's a challenge, be, especially you talked about the timing, and I would also talk about the presentation of it, how it comes yes. out really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, what what I try to counsel my clients on is try not to talk try not to talk about it when you're actually flooded by that emotion yeah. by that hurt by that disappointment because it makes it really hard to put it in a way that the partner can hear um, it's so much is timing and just discernment and and discipline 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 that um you know because i'm in this right now i'm not the only person in the universe this is not all this right we mm-hmm. have to and that pause that step away is so good for us. It gives us, it sort of unsticks us from the urgency of those thoughts right in the moment. You know, just taking a breath and saying mm-hmm. maybe at dinner time it would be better or what have you when he's got a glass of wine in front of him or whatever it is. But, but just when we say maybe not now, we immediately lessen the urgency and, and the stickiness of those thoughts and beliefs because what we're, we're really caught up in is believing our thoughts in those moments, yes. believing that our thoughts. <laughs> and what I, what I also like about this particular scenario, and, and it's something that, that I've been thinking a lot about because I certainly bump into it in my practice and my own life and, and everywhere, mm-hmm. but when when is it that we should bring a topic up and when is it that we really can let it go? You know, it's so tricky because for some people in a couple, it feels every everyone has to be brought up, every single Correct, miss. Yeah. And then for other people, it's the opposite. It's like, oh, just let it go. Just let it go. It's not important. And And I think that most of us really struggle with when does it, when, you know, it's like if you love something in a shop, if if three days later you're still thinking about it, probably you're going to go back and get it. But a lot, exactly. most of the things, the next day you couldn't care less, right? It's right. It's like, oh, I'm glad this. I didn't buy it because I didn't, because, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. Most things. And, and I right. think it's a bit similar in relationship that, you know, if it sticks around and it keeps, you know, if it's hysterical, it's historical, uh-huh. if it sticks to us, it's sticking to us because it's triggering something that means something more. So that better part of wisdom that says, well, let me just see if 
if I could let it go and not turn it into a narrative and not, sometimes it's not possible at all. But a lot of times it may well be. And then this sense of self-esteem and um, control and wisdom and mindfulness and all of that that we gain by having had that experience, that arising of a strong something and being able to let it sort of pass without much ado, that really builds our sense of, of okayness, of, of equilibrium. Right, and then not everything turns into a, a, a conflict or a big thing that has to be resolved. Well, Nancy, this has been so helpful, and I, I wish we could keep, keep talking about this. I'm going to have to have you back on the show. Um, sure. Can you show sure. people where they can you know, find your articles, find your book, yeah. all that great yep. stuff? All that good stuff. So my website, which is nancycollier.com, with one L, um, has yeah. a lot of my writing and all of that on it and where I give workshops and all of that kind of stuff. And then uh, Psychology Today for the articles and the blog and HuffPost as well. And then... Um, if anybody is interested in reaching me, they can do that through my website as well, nancycollier.com. Terrific. Because happily ever after doesn't mean you and your spouse will ever hurt or disappoint each other. You will. And what will determine the success of your marriage is how you handle those times. Creating a safe space for just feeling your emotions and then having a productive way to talk about them is key. And hopefully you'll keep listening to the show and to wonderful guests like Nancy who will help guide you through this. So until next week, stay loving. <laughs>